Hello, um, this is Hisham and this is my new show, Awoke. Um, for those of you that um, who don't know what the show's about, it's a new share, a show even, um, where I'm going to be sharing my experiences um, uh, with what I've seen, what I've read, what I've learned, how I felt about certain things. Um, I'm mainly going to be looking at um, ideas of race and the idea of blackness in connection to various other issues um, such as mental health, class, feminism, um, religion, fashion, art, social media, um, etc. So that's just a bit of background about what the show is actually going to be about. Um, this week I am joined with a very, um, by um, a very special guest and friend, Louise, um, to talk about colorism and racism from a multiracial perspective. Um, but before we get onto that, I just want to talk a bit about um, what colorism is and the history of it. So when we're talking about colorism, we're talking about prejudice or discrimination based on the color of someone's skin, not necessarily their racial group or ethnic background. Um, and so there's been a very, very, very long history, as you can imagine, of colorism since the establishment of um, the racial hierarchy. And it's summed up really in um, the writings of Carl Linnaeus, the Swedish botanist, who um, wrote that at the top of this social hierarchy is um, the white European, and then under that is the Native American, and then under that is... Um, are uh, 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 Asians and under that uh, at right at the bottom um, is uh, black Africans who were considered as um, uncivilised and backwards, lazy and governed by the arbitrary will of the master so there is a long history of that um, of colorism. Um so yeah, I kind of um, well yeah. Let's 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 get into into that conversation. So Louise, do you want to just tell us a bit more about your background? So um, I grew up with uh, for the first part of my childhood. I grew up with a white mum. She's from Britain, and a black father who's from Jamaica, and. Um, and um, yeah, so my father unfortunately passed away when I was five around December time. And he was supposed to take me to Jamaica for my sixth birthday, but of course I never got to go. And so from that moment on, I've always felt rather disconnected from my Jamaican roots. And um, I grew up with my uh, mother and she is very supportive of me. Every gave me everything I needed. It, everything felt very normal to me, despite the loss of such a big person in my life. Um, and don't worry, the Jamaican food and stuff was still there. Um, <laughs> she learned a lot from my dad, uh, still cooked the rice and peas at least once a month, oxtail, anything, you name it, she's done it. Um, so I've known Hisham here um, since I was around three in nursery and we met and we just literally clicked straight away and I feel like growing up with him and his family have sort of given me a connection to my Jamaican roots that I feel like I otherwise wouldn't have had 
because of the unfortunate passing of my father. So to him and his family, I'm very grateful for that. Well, thanks. <laughs> um, so how do you, how have you, when people say, oh, where are you from? What, what would you say automatically? Like what immediately comes to your, your head? When I was a child, I, growing up here, I usually thought that that meant, ah, where are you from as in country? So I used to say, London, England, Britain, etc, etc. But um, in 2017, during the summer, I went to see a French friend of mine uh, in Paris. And people always asked me their, where are you from? Um, what little English they knew, apparently. They said, where are you from? And I said, oh, England, uh, Angleterre, whatever French I knew. And they were just like, no, no, don't or something like that it just means your origins like where are you from where are your parents from their background and that was the first time i noticed that people people are interested in your cultural heritage and i'd read some opinions online which would say that this may be somewhat pr problematic um, but I, I didn't think anything of it really because I'm interested in where people are from myself. This is just an interest, an innocent interest for me. So um, uh, from then on, I sort of thought, thought about it and thought, hmm, how is this problematic? How could this be problematic? And so I thought this, this would be a useful thing to discuss in these two hours as well. So just finding out how this can be problematic as well as just an innocent interest, which I think for many people it is. And so with that as well, not just directly to do with asking you where are you from, but um, in other situations as well, how have you had to navigate school and university, for example, as someone of mixed heritage. How does your identity inform how you are in certain situations and how does that play up? Like, when does your identity become um, hyper-visible, for example? Hyper-visible. Um, for example, I remember a time in secondary school when my friend April, who is from Nigeria, she's... Uh, on, on many occasions, it wasn't just one time, but on many occasions, she either said, Louise, you're white. And I was like, no, I'm not. Well, I am, but I'm not just white. I'm black as well. I'm both. She was like, no, Louise, you're white. You speak white. And I thought, speaking white, now that is problematic because it's it shows that we associate whiteness and being Caucasian with speaking properly um as my friend would say um i speak with the queen's english and also um throughout primary school i've been called posh um especially by my basketball teacher in around year three he said oh look it's posh louise just because i spoke properly i speak like this i didn't use slang so to speak in my um terminology in my tone in my voice I didn't use slang a lot so I just uh, spoke how my mum spoke to me and she grew up in 1950s 60s Britain so you can imagine what she sounds like um, but it's <laughs> yeah. the Queen's English I'd love a cup of tea she does love tea uh, but more to the point 
Um, there have been times in my life when only looking back at it now, um, my identity has sort of been hyper-visible and challenged. And other times, of course, um, my friend April, that I, who I previously mentioned, she'd say, Louise, you're black. In America, they call you black. And I was thinking about this and thought, yes, that's, it seems like even though there are so many people with um, mixed heritage um, from white families and black families and their directly, direct mixed heritage, it's like, as Trevor Noah, I'm sure, has said on one of his comedy shows, he said something like, the black people claim the mixed race people. It's almost as if, unless you are white as snow, like Snow White, for example, you are put into the darker category of your heritage. Do you think, though, that um, the black people claimed the mixed race people? Because even in, okay, black people can call mixed race um, people um, black also, but when it comes to, for example, a white person calling someone of mixed heritage black, do would you not find that slightly... I don't know, is that problematic in any way? Offended. Offended is, offended is a strong word. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly easy about the whole thing. Um, the thing I find problematic, word of the week, problematic. Um, the thing I find problematic is exactly what you said. It is, it feels like the experiences of being mixed race have been watered down by people saying for so long that you are either one thing or the other with total disregard to an, another half of you. And I think that is very problematic because it is navigating things. So I'll, I'll tell you why I said the thing about black people claim mixed race people, because I was thinking of uh, when Obama was running for the presidency in 2008. And I was just thinking that while he was running and nobody knew who he was, he was referred to as the mixed candidate. As soon as he got up there, as soon as he passed all the tests, jumped through all the hoops, and everybody knew that Barack Obama was running for president of the United States, he was called, oh, this, the, um, uh, he was called black. As soon as he got into office, yeah. he was the first black president. As soon as he got any sort of clout, he was immediately claimed as black. But he's not black, he's mixed race. Yeah. He's not the first black president, he's the first mixed race president. And yes, this is this was a massive step in America's history. This is a massive, massive thing. Because never in anybody's life, I remember watching a Steve Harvey episode, never in his life did he think that he would see a black man uh, as, as president of the United States. But um, of course, he's not black. He, as as you call it, he's not. Um, I mean, I don't believe there are any pure bloods, so to speak, like I, at all. But he's a direct mixed descendant of both black and white. So there, there could be some problem there. Um, yeah, no, this is really interesting. And what I was talking about when I was um, saying about um, when I said, are you offended? It's more about whether you feel able to self-identify. And that's the bit that completely gets kind of um, 
stolen from you is that ability to self-identify before you are able to stand up and say this is how I'd like to be identified other people are already saying oh no this is a young black woman or etc etc that yeah I can I think the the way that so that we socially are at the moment um, it completely takes away a person's uh, ability to self-identify if they are of mixed heritage. I mean, you're immediate from the time you're born, you're immediately lumped in with um, being black, and there's there's nothing wrong with that as as to say um, there's nothing wrong with being black. Of course, there isn't. Of course, there's nothing wrong with being black. Of course, and there's nothing wrong with being white either. Why can't I be both? It's like. Um, you don't know where you sort of fit in. Do I fit in with the black people? Do I fit in with the white people? Because going back to my friend from secondary school who called me either black or white on different occasions, it's like, well, sometimes I feel like I'm too black for the white people and too white for the black people. So where on earth do I fit in? It's this unstable medium that's rather can be disconcerting and scary at times. And I just don't know where I fit along the sort of spectrum. That's that's really interesting because I, I think one that's one of the biggest debates around um, how we talk about um, mixed race people and where they do fit into the wider society is that thing of being like, actually, um, and I want to raise this point as well that it's, and, and link it back to colorism, but it's something that does happen within um, the black community as well. It's not an anti-black sentiment or or it's not anti-black rhetoric from just white people. This also comes from the black community where there is that expectation from people of mixed heritage in certain, mixing amongst certain people to conform to certain tropes of either black or white. Um, but how, so how do you, or if you have, how have you tried to carve out your own space in that in-between? How do you say that actually I can be both black and white? I can, both of these identities inform who I am and they're kind of inseparable. How do you... How would I do that? Well, in response, back to my friend from secondary school, um, in response to her or anybody um, who was saying the same things as her, I'd remind them that I am not just one thing, I am a multitude of things. And in fact, um, on my dad's side, um, his uh, either grandfather or great-grandfather, I can never remember, my dad's side confuses me, but his um, one of his grandfather's up there somewhere ancestors was an Irish man. And so he has mixed heritage from his side as well. And so it's, I'd say for everyone, it is important to remember that everyone's heritage and identities and ancestry is way more complex and complicated than you might first think. Um, I mean, a very good friend of mine, um, I know she's, um, her mum is half Grenadian and half Jamaican. And on the Jamaican side, um, her grandmother is mixed as well. And um, my friend identifies as black, um, but she is rather light-skinned. She's a light-skinned black woman. And uh, it's interesting to see how the heritage sort of lines up like that. So, uh, like I said before, I don't really believe anyone is 
quote unquote pure blood. There's no there's no pure blood people like except I guess those people on the on that island somewhere who kill anyone who tried to come and disturb their livelihood, but that would be the only people. We're so interconnected as a society now, I think it would be impossible for anyone to be quote unquote pure blood. Mm. Um and so back to um the idea you started talking about um your um the woman that was light skinned but she was black. Um, and there has been, this has been kind of called out in the media, um, particularly, but from artists who capitalise on that. So they, it's the whole idea that actually I can get further by being light-skinned compared to being black-skinned. Do you agree that there's that divide amongst artists, um, and people, um, the kind of um, leading figures in, in in popular culture. I definitely. Are you asking me if I think there's light skin privilege? Yeah. I definitely think there's light skin privilege. I definitely think if you are lighter skinned, it is important to be aware that there is light skin privilege. I mean, um, I said friends that I was talking about. Um, I went to her and I was just like, no, you do not have a white privilege. That's another topic. But you know, you do not have white privilege. But you do have light skin privilege. You are a lighter skin black than, say, my friend Hisham, my friend Hisham over here. You are lighter skin than him. Therefore, you may be able to afford more opportunities uh, or get further in a shorter space of time, at least, just because you are lighter skinned. And she was just like, no, I don't have privilege. I'm not white privileged. And I'm saying, no, I'm not saying you're white privileged. You have light skin privilege. I have more light skin privilege than you. And so, indeed, some people have thought I've white before. Sometimes, in the eyes of some people, sometimes I do have white privilege. But it is important for me to be aware of that and to use that to help um, bridge the equality gap, sort of, between that. It is important to be aware of your light skin privilege. I say, for example, look how big Beyonce is. Look how big Kelly Rowland is. I mean, it might not be a clear-cut example of where light skin privileges help further their no, careers. No, but actually... But if you think about yeah, it, it Beyoncé is... She could pass... I'm saying she could pass as mixed race. Like, some some black pe- light-skinned black people are so light that I, as a child, I've thought, oh, another mixed race person, someone like me. Is that is, is what you do as a child. You want to fit in. Um, so I was like, oh, another light-skinned person. They're just like me. But um, you l- actually look on Google, you find that Beyonce has a black father and a mother who is Creole. So her mother is mixed race. So that would um, make her three quarters black. So she is indeed more more black than she is white and less you find go on her family tree or whatever but she, the fact remains that she is of a lighter skin tone than kelly Rowland. and look mm-hmm. how big beyonce is and kelly Rowland is big but she's not as big as beyonce and neither is michelle the one of the forgotten um trio well no i mean the, the manager um uh matthew knowles the manager, obviously, that was a plan. It was a plan. He said he is, you know, he's admitted to his own colorism in saying that even when he met um, Beyonce's mum, the reason why he was so attracted to her was because of her her light skin. Um, And he kind of blames his own internalised, like, anti-blackness on his mother for, like, perpetuating... um, 
a very limited stereotype of a kind of angry um, uh, mammy figure. But at the same time, it's kind of like, of course, Beyonce has had her success because she um, is of a lighter skin tone. That's why she's in the middle. That's why she's the maiden singer. And you know that because, well, in this case, anyway, the person who, uh, um, her dad who managed her, um, he actually... Um, speaks openly about having these views so i do think that particularly within um the uh, within popular culture now that is definitely a a factor in even casting for example the nina simone film um the nina simone film they cast um zoe zaldana who is a very light-skinned um black woman um and they darkened her skin they basically blackfaced a light-skinned black woman to match the colour of Nina Simone's skin. And to me, that is offensive. That is really offensive, particularly because the director, Cynthia Mort, is a white woman. So, number one, you've got a, a mixed, um, a very, very light-skinned black woman to play um, Nina Simone, who was obviously a darker-skinned black woman. But... That is not even the main problem. The main problem is actually there were so many more competent and qualified um, dark-skinned black women that could have played that role. I'm not saying that she, you know, whatever. She might have even been the best person, but actually there are so many other people that could have been cast for that role that would have been authentic, that would have been true to the truth. Indeed. And... They did not do that. So t- to me, that is just another right example of colorism. It's another example of women of color, um, of um, light-skinned women, women of color kind of getting ahead and darker-skinned women of color are kind of left in the background, left to put even more work um, in to be recognized for the same, for the same, for the same thing, for the same role. I feel exactly the same thing. There is a deep-rooted problem in Hollywood with colorism and indeed racism, but colorism as well is is just as big of a thing. Um, I mean, uh, there are so many qualified actors from all across the spectrum of colors. So why can't you just cast someone who is more authentic to the role? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, And like, do so. Also on um, the the idea of light skin privilege, do you think that people like Nicki Minaj, Mariah Carey, um, Georgia Smith, Zendaya, do you think all of these people um, should be not called out, but do you think that they, yeah, actually, do you think they should be kind of called out for for that? Do you think that they should be more publicly accountable to that privilege? Um, or do you think actually getting into it from that angle, as in maybe we should be celebrating them as women of colour in the bracket of women of colour, as opposed to making those further distinctions? We were, talk- we're talking about an issue that's not very clear-cut, and as with everything to do with anything, it's not clear as clear-cut as that at all. Of course we should celebrate them as um, women of colour, uh, of course we should celebrate all of their achievements, Um but um, in what way would we call them out for one? Because um, instead of calling them out, calling them out would be 
useful, I suppose, as a short-term problem, but um, it would be good if said people in these positions of power were to realise and be aware of their own light skin privilege and used it to um, help um, people with less light skin privilege or no light skin privilege at all achieve their dreams. Um, as um, so many people have told me coming up, um, it's now not a case of your skills. Your skills can only get you so far. It's also who you know. So they could reach out to their com respective communities and use their light skin privilege to give to share the spotlight or even give the spotlight to other talented artists who are just at a disadvantage purely because of the shade of black they are or mm -hmm. the shade of indian indian color brown brown they are the shade of um latino they are the shade the shade of whatever color they are the darker people always seem to finish last in fact, not even seem, they do finish last at the moment. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I think, particularly with calling out as well, um, more to maybe kind of like, for example, as um, a light-skinned woman saying that actually I have this privilege, people in on those platforms, people in those positions come out and say that actually um, this is going on. It goes on within the music industry. It goes on within um, the film industry, Hollywood, as you said. Um, so it, it, it goes on. People aren't calling out, um, calling out for what it is. People aren't talking about colorism. I, I don't really see colorism in the mainstream um, discourse around race. And to me, that is the most damaging thing if you have... Um, the absence of those conversations because then people will start to think that one either the issues don't really matter or the the issues at hand don't exist and people are going to start to tell themselves that actually colorism isn't really a thing and i feel like that's what happens when you leave them out of the out of the public discussion around racism so colorism colorism Colorism, indeed. I think it's extremely harmful when important issues are left out of the general discussion. I mean, it's always what's going on in America. Which which white police officer shot this black person? Which which uh, quote unquote black and black crime is happening in America? It's all very black and white, and I feel like humans tend to simplify things too much too often, because it to, truth be told, it is easier to deal with things when they are just black and white so to speak so it's we need to be aware and we need to keep having these discussions and colorism needs to move more to the forefront of the discussion um just as much as racism has because um loads of people without your definition may have not even thought colorism was a thing mm -hmm. um it sound the definition sounds a lot like racism but it's not quite with racism it's under the bracket yes but it's it's not quite the same thing and so without things like this without us having this discussion um and discussions like that happening more and more often there will not be awareness for these topics and it's it, it is very damaging and we can't move forward as a society without them um yeah no i agree i agree um i kind of wanted to ask whether you think that feminism um 
whether you think that sorry colorism um is a feminist issue um and i raise this because for example even when we think of um there have been um kind of the attitudes towards for example um black women and their features which is something that i feel particularly strong about because when we think of um kind of typical black features broader noses fuller lips etc etc um that the black community has kind of been told are ugly and undesirable and the effect not only that this is having on young black girls you know in schools when they used to call the girls blick and all of this and your whatever and it's that shame that that shame that kind of comes with being of a darker skin complexion um that is particularly damaging i feel to to women um to black girls and black women not only just in um in terms of the beauty standards that are accepted today but also for example like um you get products like um the skin lightening products where women are using these products in many different parts of the world um and so not just black women also but um women in um S southern asia as well are using these um skin lightening products to lighten their skin and it's kind of you I don't know, I kind of wanted to shift the debate on to look at that and to look at, at the issues around um, colorism as a feminist issue. So, um, I'm, so I'm going to put out there right now, I'm a feminist, okay? Please don't turn off because I've said that. Um, because I know that there are loads of people saying they that are identifying as fem feminists that are giving us a bad reputation. Um, so... <coughs> Excuse me. I'll start with a definition of what a feminist feminist is. So a feminist is a person who believes in the social, political and economic equality of the sexes. And that's it. OK, we believe in equality. Some people say, oh, why don't you just call them equalists? And it's just like, well, what's the point in changing the word? It's all, it's a perfectly good word. It's got a definition. And that's what it is. So is this a feminist issue? Um so the reason why I gave that definition is because people just think, oh, feminists are, are out for the betterment of women and all the women want to eat all the men and stuff. And uh, no, that's not what it's about. We're all about equality and um, all of this um, man hating is not synonymous with feminism. So I'll just get that out of the way right now. So is this a feminist issue? Like I said, social issues are not clear cut. So anything that that pushes forward um, the equality between sexes and equality in general is a feminist issue. So yes, this is a feminist issue. And all you were saying about um, having to go through school, um, being called various slurs um, because of the darkness of their skin, the skin lightening products, all of these are very harmful to impressionable young black women. And no one should be told that just because they have a certain category of features, facial features, um, that they are any less beautiful than people who um, fit the Euro European beauty standard, um, which is blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, light skin, um, much like um, Hitler's Aryan race, for example. That, that's what the beauty standard seems to be. I mean, if you look at the... Um, self 
pro- not self, but the proclaimed most beautiful girl in the world, that those pictures were circulating from when this girl was six and now she's grown up. And that um, this girl completely fits this the beauty standard that I have just described. But there are many different times of beauty, and indeed beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, so no one should be told that they are any less beautiful just because of the their ethnic features at all. So um, going back to the question, this is definitely a feminist issue because it is it is not um, it's it's sort of it is about black women, black features. It's um, and also um, black men and their features. Um, and many um, all the all black people go through the same thing to do with looks and to do with beauty and how handsome you are, etc., etc. And so it's all the s- similar features you think of: the wide nose, the big lips, etc., and things like that. So all as an ethnic group, um, black people go through the same sort of things. So back to the definition of feminist: it's the equality of the sexes of of both of the sexes and we won't get into a different genders argument today but you know what i mean so it's it's very much everybody's issue and therefore it's a feminist issue um and i wanted to ask you more about your background mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you more specifically about um how you navigate your heritage without um your dad there to keep you in contact with his family, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you go about doing that? Well, um, first and foremost, I always keep in mind that I am both. I am both white and black. Is They're both as big a part of me as each other. And I often feel like I lose sight of one half of it, usually. For example, when I... Um, was in a private school and because of the social just just social dynamic of England I guess um the there was a large proportion of Caucasian girls in this all-girl independent day school and I suppose in a way I feel like not not I didn't lose sight of my black heritage I just sort of forgot it was there it wasn't a it wasn't a big thing like often I forget what colour I am in this country because I've never experienced overt racism, at least not overt racism like the racism in America at all. And I don't feel like my race is a problem. Of course, over here, it seems like it's more subtle racism. Like the Eng- English people have a an art. They um, are very good at subtle racism. And I think that's something that means you've got to be more aware um, even if you of are of a darker skin tone, but n- perhaps not as dark as to experience more overt racism. For example, I was um, in university, there's something called the AKC, which is the Associates of King's uh, College uh, module that you do. You do one extra module on, on top of your university studies, and it's all about theology and philosophy. And where this ties in with this is that there was a black lecturer who came in and he talked about the use of the Bible um, in um, and religion 
in um, sub subduing black people um, during slavery and things like that. And the point of that is he talked about, um, near the end, he talked about um, all these uh, black men who have been killed in custody, in police custody, um, not even far in history. It's just in the 2000s and um and early 2000s he didn't get so far in the video as to bring it up to the present day but that sort of shocked me as in i am dark-skinned enough i'm not very dark-skinned at all mind but i'm dark-skinned enough to feel like i have to be aware of my heritage and my skin tone but i am light-skinned enough to be able to be ignorant of these things of certain matters if i want to be and i think that is a a gross miscarriage of justice of um uh i think uh because i shouldn't i should be aware it's my heritage i should be aware so i should make a concerted effort to be aware of such things um but i am able to be ignorant so i think that's wrong um and what do you uh, kind of a bit of a more personal question in 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 some senses, but um, do you, do you think that your mum has properly navigated the complexity of being um, mixed race? Do you feel like, in the absence of um, your dad, do you think that yeah, do you think that you've been kind of shown both sides, and do you think that both sides of your identity? have been properly explored. Um, do you think your mum's kind of taken you through that? There's a beautiful thing about the way my mum exists, which has a good side and a bad side, two sides of the same coin, if you will. The good side is the way she lives is that she just is. She just exists, she lives her life. Things happen, she navigates them as and when they come. She's always taught me that something knocks you down, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep going. Much with my father's death. I mean, I was talking to my um, Jamaican neighbours and they said, oh, um, when your father died, I remember. Um, they, t they sort of told me that in Jamaican culture and black culture, um, loads of emphasis is placed on grief and, and grieving and properly mourning the loss of someone. Um, but when um, my neighbour went over to my mum and asked her if she wanted any hymns or any prayers said or anything, my mum just said, I'm I'm okay. Um, I'm okay, thank you for the sentiment. I'm just going to keep going. And I'm, they said a lot of that was probably because she um, could focus all her energy into me. But I think there's something beautiful about the fact that my mum just is she never really brings up race at all I'm just her daughter and she's just my mum there's nothing really to think about I think only as I've grown up and read things and seen things and watched things that I think more increasingly about race if I didn't do that then I would be living in a certain haze of naivety and that's and following on from that haze of naivety that is where we get I suppose into the bad side of the way my mum exists um, the negative side of the coin but because I think she also lives in a haze of not naivety anymore it's ignorance I guess um, because she has all this information she can read like I, I could she can watch stuff like I can um, but she just doesn't and I suppose 
ignorance is the wrong word. I suppose naivety, haze of naivety is exactly the right word. I say ignorance because I believe if you're an adult, it's your responsibility to go and learn things if you if you weren't taught them in childhood. When you're an adult, you take responsibility for yourself. But I suppose in a way it is naivety because she is white and because we've had a conversation about white privilege many times and she doesn't think it exists. And I've told her many times it's because you don't live it, you don't know. And I think that is true through throughout her existence because she doesn't live it she doesn't know and she refuses to listen anywhere otherwise because it's just not her experience so that's the negative side of the coin is the fact that she lives in this state of sort of blissful ignorance where she doesn't have to go out and read about these things i think that's the difference i feel like i have to go and read about these things and i should be aware and i should be quote unquote woke because uh, half of my heritage goes through these struggles and I could go through these struggles at any point in time even though I feel like I've been almost completely untouched living in London in one of the most diverse cities in the world um so to answer your question no I don't think my mum has successfully navigated both sides of my heritage the black side of my heritage I have very much had to go out and find out for myself or I found out through growing up with you Hisham actually because um, your mum and your family have played uh, played a huge role the more I think about it and knowing what it is to be black I mean your mum would always cook the Jamaican food it's like I said my mum would cook the Jamaican food as well but it's just it's sort of everything in your house had a different air about it had mm. a different have had a different sense of family about it and me and my mum, we're like existing on the same plane, but separately. And it's 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 less of a togetherness feel in the same sense. And mm. I feel like growing up with your family, I felt very included and happy that I've been a part of that, but also rather sad that I didn't have that for myself. Like we've never, ever, ever had a family gathering. The last time I saw my aunt, apart from my nan's funeral, which was in January, was at... It was, yes, it was nine, nine, nine years ago at 2010, my cousin's wedding. Mm -hmm. And that's the only family gathering we ever have. Two family weddings, maybe one sub-family wedding because it's my uncle's wife's family, more or less. And that's it. That's the only family gatherings we ever have. And that's done. So I feel very disconnected. Yeah. Um... It's really interesting how um, you, I suppose, not everyone um, of mixed heritage is um, willing or is that clued up to um, direct themselves to some further reading about their history, even if they're not taught about it. And a lot of people, they will kind of take on the teachings that they get from whichever parent or maybe even both of both their parents um and kind of completely submit to one side i guess mm -hmm. um and so it is really um encouraging obviously to to see that um but also if we're to flip this argument on its head again and ask you whether you feel like you have effectively confronted your as you said um light skin privilege 
Um, and in that, um, what advice would you give to um, anyone else um, of mixed heritage who, for example, might not have done any reading um, around their background or done any research into their background or who doesn't really know how to connect with either side of their background? I believe that there is, no matter how much work you've done, there's always more you could do. So although I'm always thinking about how I fit in with society and how I fit in in terms of light skin privilege and all of this that we've been discussing, um, I feel like... Um, I feel like uh, this, that I could confront it more. I could always confront it more and always um, read more, always watch more, always find out more about it. So if you are of mixed descent and you're, and you're struggling to connect with one side or the other or, um, or find out more about who you are or where you come from, it's the best thing to start with that I can recommend start with is ask whoever whichever member of your family um you can ask whoever's around whoever you have in your family just ask them ask them more about where they came from ask them more about their heritage ask your brothers and sisters if they know anything even ask your children if you have them if they know anything because they may be being taught more things uh, by their peers or at school they may have read more that you never know um children are a vast wealth of knowledge in some cases so um it would be good to do that but also um i say watch roots root i think roots should be mm -hmm. compulsory watching it was for, for everyone <laughs> for every everyone literally everyone no matter what race you are no matter what background everyone should be aware aware of the issues discussed in roots and it is a and increasingly useful but also concise for what it discusses it's very concise um the uh, a uh, concise wealth of information uh, told through a very uh personal uh account and experience real or not real we don't know but the things that happened did the things discussed did in fact happen in uh said uh in said uh documentary documentary film so um i think that would be a very good place to start uh watch roots and just ask about it um once you finish that find out what happened afterwards in the events following uh roots events following roots um go back through go on genii family history just find out everything you are really interested in i mean uh the, it only goes as far as you're interested in if you're not interested there's no point in doing it but i do feel like it is important to be aware of yourself and be aware of where you fall in society and find out where you belong but most of all um live like the good side of my mum's coin okay live like the good side just be just exist you are who you are i mean it cannot be said enough and it's always been said but stay true to yourself because no one should dictate who you are or who you are not by what you look like and that is one of the most important messages you can take away so be aware of yourself but don't forget to be yourself thank you thank you for that louise and just one closing thought from me 
if there's any guys on how to help your um, mixed race children understand better who they are or anything or any of your children or anybody anywhere all I say is the most important thing is to be aware be aware of where they stand be aware of who they are be aware of how they look affects how they are perceived and that's that those are my closing thoughts so you just have to be aware this week we've been talking about um, colorism and racism from a multiracial perspective um I just want to end on saying a big thank you to Louise for coming on the show, um, talking to us and sharing um, her experiences um, and thoughts. Um, I'd also like to say that this is going to be the first of um, hopefully many, many um, podcasts, many, many chats, um, and um, hopefully they should be released every week um, on a day that I'm yet to set. Um, but um, I've been Hisham and this has been a woke. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening.